Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in That's right. When you don't know just what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. See, she's there. Coming to you live and on demand 24-7 <laughs> on 24 global audio and video platforms. Including, let me take a big, big breath, a big breath, a big breath. <gasps> iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP, Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Owl's Tale, UBook, CastBox, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, CaregiverDave.com. And we're so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM. And there's more. One of the top <laughs> six best podcasts by Caring.com. But wait, there's more as well as the number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we do have an exciting show planned for you today. Uh, Lauren Gelberg-Goff. You know you have someone important when they have three names. And she even has an initial. That makes four. Lauren M. Gelberg Guff is a psychotherapist, and she probably has letters after her name as well. So, oh my gosh. Yes. Author, speaker, has become best known for creating the powerful, life changing program for caregivers called Take Back Your Life. Before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest. Uh, it was actually a couple of weeks ago because our last week's guest didn't show up, and Adrian and I were the guests, and we did a great job, I thought. <laughs> but before that, it was Brandon Granados, my personal trainer who works at LA Fitness. Not right at the moment, of course, but uh, he showed us some really, really good tips on staying in shape when you're stuck at home. So just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 24, I think I said, 21, 22, 23, 24, yeah, we added three, 24 <laughs> global networks that I mentioned earlier, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, all that stuff. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Lauren. How are you today? I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I am really glad to be here. I am having a good day today, so it's, it's even better. Good it's a good day. Yes, it's a good day in L.A., and it's a good day in New Jersey, and it's a good day in Manhattan. It is. Right? I actually saw the um, the planes fly over. The, oh, the um, blue ones, the blue, blue uh, angels. You? you saw yeah. them? Yeah, I, I saw I mean, a preview of them on TV. Yeah, uh, they were in New York, right? Well, they were in New York, yeah. and they were going down. They were in New York, Jersey, and now they're headed down to Philly. Yeah. Um, I was in Huntington Beach when they were there uh, on the beach uh, doing a show, and they are amazing. And they yeah, are they so are. loud. I mean, they're coming toward you. You see them coming toward you very quickly. 
you don't hear a thing until after they pass you. Then, my God, it's deafening. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, uh, Lauren, I usually give my guests one question, the same question, and that is, who is Lauren Gelberg Goff, and uh, why did God put you on this earth? Well, I have probably been a social worker or therapist in some way, shape, or form forever. I was the one everybody went to with their problems, with their concerns, their angst, and I went into social work, working in hospitals, hospices, um, clinics for multiply handicapped children, and I really saw the need for being there for the people who were being ignored, the caregivers, mm. who, who were either taken for granted, ignored, neglected, dismissed, and I saw what it did to families, and it just became a major driving force in all the work that I've done, and I've been doing yeah. it forever. Yeah. You you uh, got it down, all those adjectives of all the things that caregivers are. You nailed it, <laughs> and they still are today, and I don't know if we'll ever make a dent in uh, making it better, but we're going to sure try, aren't we, Adrian? Yeah, I have. I just wanted to know, how long ago did you start to have your focus on, on caregivers? Probably significantly so, um, probably 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And it's been an ongoing process. Um, my husband became disabled about 25 years ago. Um, he, I was telling Dave before we started, my husband passed away last month. Oh, um, sorry to hear that. Thank you. You're still and grieving. Then, I, well, I haven't really had time to grieve him because as I was explaining earlier, um, my son was diagnosed with leukemia on at oh. New Year's. Oh, wow. oh God. He's... <laughs> He, you need a hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we got him up here from um, where he was stationed in the Air Force um, in uh -huh. North Carolina. Oh, we got my. him up here in, at the end of February. And then he was admitted with a fever um, after a round of chemo mm. wait, in preparation at some point to do the bone marrow transplant. And he did get the corona COVID-19 and uh, he's he's from been the in hospital in the hospital well we don't wow. know if he got it in the hospital or prior but he was he might have had it for a couple of weeks yeah in the hospital um and he was he's had a compromised immune system since the chemo for at least yeah. a couple of weeks right correct so as you do oh so sorry well today as i said it's a good day um good they were bringing him out of the medically induced coma that he's been in for the last five weeks, and they put in a tracheostomy. Mm. So he's in a in a better place. It's a better major place. step forward. So now we'll yeah, we have to celebrate the small victories. Yeah. How old is he? Okay. Well, twenty-seven. Oh my! So, That's not supposed to happen to twenty-seven-year-olds. Especially yeah. ones that are serving us in the military. 
I'm right. so, so sorry. But you're a caregiver. You're resilient. You'll get through this. You've been probably through worse. And if you haven't, you know, others <laughs> have, and they've made it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and the reality is, is that doing work like this is actually very grounding right. for me because it gets me out of Right. It's important. And coming at caregiving from both the professional side and the personal side has been what I can offer to people. I get it. So, yes. Well, I think you already explained. I was going to ask you, how did you become involved in helping caregivers? Uh, actually, you told us how you became a caregiver. And um, explain more of the process of how you went from caregiver to the caregiver's caregiver, even though you're still in a big way a caregiver, but you're still helping others. And that, that is, like I said, very therapeutic. What was the process if there's other caregivers out there who, who are saying, you know what, that would really distract me from all of the negativity in caregiving and, and I can focus all my energies in a positive direction as well as taking care of my loved one. How did it work out for you? Well, the reality is, is that it's so easy <clears throat> for caregivers to become immersed in their loved one's needs and issues at the expense of their own, because many caregivers are that genuinely giving, caring. People would often label them very codependent. They're only good if their loved one is good. And that as long as they're doing for somebody else, they're okay. So it became a mixed bag and needing to see that division of labor, so to speak. And yeah. it isn't an either or kind of situation. It's an and. It's not I'm either loving and caring for my loved one or I'm being selfish and caring for myself. It's how can I do both. And so I tell people all the time that self-care isn't selfishness, it's self-preservation. Right. Mm. The whole analogy of being on an airplane and they tell you if you're traveling with a dependent and oxygen yep. is required, place the oxygen mask over your face first. Because yep. the truth That's so is hard. if you're not breathing, your loved one won't either. Right. So that became the benchmark of needing to validate a caregiver's needs, wants, feelings, and how to balance it out, which is mm -hmm. what every, it's, it's always about a balance because we all know the difference between an emergency and a demand or a request. Emergencies, we can respond like we that. Respond a demand mm -hmm. request, you might be able to take your time. <laughs> and, and breathe. And, <laughs> and we breathe. And that, that was going to be the original title of my book because people know what? me. They go, I know, and we breathe. Mm. When we take that breath, it prevents us from reacting so we can respond more thoughtfully in a more meaningful, purposeful way. Yeah. And most people don't take the time to breathe. So No, they don't. 
Too bad you couldn't hear the theme song of our show. It's, it's Keep Breathing. <laughs> breathing. <laughs> it was made uh, for us by a wonderful songwriter, uh, Stephen Seiler. And um, he is doing a whole thing for caregivers. It's called um, uh, Caring for the Soul. Oh, that's and, great. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's made a whole bunch of music just for caregivers, just just to minister to them. I would encourage everyone to check him out, Stephen Seiler, Caring for That's the Soul. Nice. Yeah. So um, why do you think that caregivers don't focus more on themselves? Is it because they don't know how or they've heard that they should and they just – uh disagree i've had a lot of caregivers disagree with me that their life is not worth as much as their loved one that they will give and give and give and if they die well so be it because they're that's their mission in life to to just pour into this person and they, it's like they don't get the concept that yeah but <laughs> you know well they don't and many caregivers whether they acknowledge it consciously or not, feel really become martyrs right. and think that they get extra points in some <laughs> way, shape, or form for being a martyr. But the truth of the matter is throughout history, there's never been a happy martyr. Um, oh. They've been stressed, they've been strained, they've been burnt to a crisp in many ways. <laughs> and my goal is to help individuals recognize that there's actually greater joy when we can have a balance and it's a hard thing to do right. when you've been caregiving for so long um, yep. that everything is is has you've learned either because family members have told you you have to do this because there's no one else who can your loved right. one doesn't want anybody else Right. Uh, so it kind of is this quicksand of struggle that caregivers are really good at pushing those feelings away. Yeah. And I've been guilty of it myself. You put one foot in front of the other and do what you have to do. You do what you and, have to do. Yeah. And you mentioned joy. You know, there's a lot of caregivers. I, you know, I have 37,000 uh in my Facebook group, Adrian has over 165,000 last <laughs> count. And uh, a big, big, big chunk of them uh, will get mad at you and argue with you if you just present the notion that maybe caregiving could be fun. It's all about your attitude, or you it could be a joyful experience, you know, um, just rewarding. Uh, rewarding um fulfilling Learning, fulfilling and Very uh fulfilling. but but they're just what what's fulfilling what's fun about it you know i just my diaper you know and it gets into how today was and today was a nightmare you know for them right. and why why should joy why do they feel undeserving of joy it's like if i'm having <clears throat> fun or a good time then I must not be doing my job because uh, caregiving is, is not supposed to be fun. You know, it's a whole mindset, isn't it? Well, it is a mindset. And I think early on, you know, many people became caregivers by a crisis. 
somebody of got course. terribly sick, they were in an accident, something happened that was critical Boom. and that, right. And you do anything in that critical moment. And then it, go, it, it goes on and on and on and on. And we slide into this mode of rescuing, taking care, managing in a way that you kind of lose sight of what was life like before. Right. How and long did you say you took care of your husband? It was the first 20 years were the real challenge. Um, so you really had the evolution of time. the experience. Yeah. Correct. And it was interesting because about 10 years into it, I learned about the Wealth Spouse Association. Yeah. And, and I had pushed it aside because I was not at the time seeing, I was like, life is going on. I had two children to raise. It, life was happening. I was working. I was keeping my practice going. And it wasn't until much mm. later that I went, why did I not connect to this organization? Because a lot of caregivers see it as just normal life. This is what I have to do. This is my role as a child, as a spouse, as a parent. And we don't label ourselves as caregivers. It's just life. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, spouse is a great associate, a great organization. And they're, they're, they're based in Jersey. Correct. Right? Are you yes. active with them? I mean, do you... I've, I've got, gone groups? to some, I, I have, I've offered, I've participated. So, it, you know, the last year or so has been a little challenging. Um, my yes, husband actually got, made improvements in the last few years and probably the last five years. He actually was improving mm. and um, kind of coming back to life. So yeah. it was well, we don't have to identify that way as much anymore. And so it's been this circular coming full circle. You know, we dealt with my parents, their aging, and sure. and they passed away within six months of each other, mm. um, five years ago, actually. Mm. So caregivers often, even no matter how many, I think it's amazing that there are 43 million family caregivers in the United States and everyone feels isolated and alone. Right. At least 43,000. Right. 43 million. That's yeah, I think it's much higher. I, my I official number is 60, 60 uh, Mine's million. Mine's even higher than that. Yeah, especially with the coronavirus now. And, uh, we and have... Go ahead. Wait, we got to take a break. Uh, no, I was going to say we have a viewer, um, Kelly Hansen. We have many, actually. Uh, she says, because so many people are home. <laughs> she says, uh, I've been caring for my mom full time for the past eight years, who has been dealing with a stress induced case of chronic Lyme disease. And it says, see more, but when I'm hitting see more, nothing happens, so I can't see the rest of it. Okay. But she goes on, my biggest challenge is focusing. Uh, my biggest challenge in focusing 
time on myself is the money aspect of getting help with my mom's care. It is overwhelming. And we'll talk about that. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, and we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with Adrian Gruberg, my co-host, and with my wonderful guest, Lauren. Lauren uh yeah i lost my i lost my notes gelberg goff got it (laughs) lauren gelberg goff not a a a name that just rolls off your tongue (laughs) but if i don't write that down it's it's give up the gelberg (laughs) yeah you probably should lauren um so how would you answer um kelly about finances becoming a problem with uh you know the aspect of getting help with her mom's care. I mean, that's a typical problem. It's real. It's a very real problem. And sometimes, depending on what her mom's needs are, if Kelly needs a break just to take time for herself, sometimes through a church or a synagogue, and now it's very difficult because of the virus, people are not Mm -hmm. coming around, but this virus will not last forever. And so it's asking through community organizations, whether it's the United Way, um, churches, synagogues, community centers, if there are people who are willing to come and sit with your mom for an hour or two, so you can go shopping, you can go have coffee with a friend. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's starting there, and it depends on what the needs are. And the United Way... And don't Way be shy is, to ask also. You know, people are just... They don't want to ask. They don't want yeah. to feel indebted. They don't want to put them out. But ask. <laughs> what if you were them? You would be help offering I mean, to help, you know? Well, the reality is that this, this woman had friends at some point. Maybe mm-hmm. the daughter could reach out because yeah. God knows these people don't want to be left with strangers, as you said. Right. You and know, if for some reason none of their friends call anymore, 
because right. you were so negative and you were complaining to them, and now they're afraid to call. You call them, <laughs> save the complaining right. for your caregiver uh, support group, which you should be in, either right. real or online. And, online, you know, Adrian right. has one, I have one, and you probably have one as well. And yep. so there's there's no excuse not to get a support group. Complain to them, and that's a place to vent. So call your, your friends that used to come by, that used to call, and say, hey, you know, I just want to apologize for being so negative. Nobody likes to be around Debbie Downer. Let's talk about positive things. So how's your life been? You know, just just reestablish that relationship. And then maybe they'll say, is there anything I can do to help? Say, yes, you can. Uh, let's, let's, you know, find a sitter for my loved one and let's go have uh, Starbucks. Well, I don't, can't even have Starbucks anymore, can you? No, But there's you something. You can go for a walk. You can make it yourself. <laughs> you can do well, Starbucks takeout and then walk with the coffee. There you go. The reality is, mm. is that you said this before, just a minute ago, that we're, we don't want to impose. Mm -hmm. And while we would be the first to help, right. we don't give other people that same credit. Right. We think right. we're asking for help, we're imposing. Right. So it's learning that People can ask for whatever they want. And it's a boundary issue of you being able to to respond. You don't have to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And the reality is if we don't ask for what we want or need, the answer is always no. My aunt's. Right. My aunt Sylvia had a wonderful expression <laughs> and I use it all the time. You don't ask you don't get right and <laughs> and the bible says simple. he who does it's not ask does simple. not receive yeah and it, 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 i'll explain the where it, where the thing came from at another point but it, it mm -hmm. it's really a mantra at this point if you don't ask you don't get yeah right. and she not, says she it, it, she says she has a brother and a cousin who yeah. are available but i do oh. have a problem uh, leaving her with strangers. Let's talk about that. You know, um, nobody wants to be around strangers, but it's your life or their life. It's your oxygen mask or their oxygen mask. You need to tell your loved one, listen, I need to get away or I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So so-and-so is going to come in here. Uh, I'm introducing you to her. She's very nice. I know you'd rather have me, but sorry, I need to get away. You don't want me to have a nervous breakdown, do you? Because then I can't take care of you. You know, do right. whatever you have to do because uh, the Rolling Stones said it great. You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, <laughs> this might find you get what you need. So you've got to take care you of your needs. have to ask. <laughs> okay. If you had a little two-year-old, and this is a great analogy, are you going to give them everything they want? No, I don't want that. No, I want ice cream. No, that. No, you have to teach them, and uh, oftentimes, sadly enough, our loved ones become that two-year-old because you know they're very self-centered with their need and what have you, and they start acting like a two-year-old, and you have to start treating them, if it's appropriate, the way you would treat a two-year-old so that they don't hurt themselves and so that you don't hurt yourself. Got it? I think that's good advice. <laughs> Well, Even though some might think it was harsh, you know. Well, the reality is it comes down to a boundary. 
And we make yeah. things about the uh, other person. They're not going to like it. They'll be upset. They'll be frustrated. They'll mm. get angry. Right. And if we can take that breath and say a boundary is something we do for ourselves. It's a sign of self-respect. It's a sign of self-compassion. And it's being able to say along the lines of what Dave was saying, this is what I need. And in order to make it not an either or, like I'm not giving you what you want because I, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown if I don't get away. Right. We can make this work for both of us. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're both going to get everything exactly the way we yeah. want it, but we're yeah. going to make it work. And I put right. in my book a lot of, um, at the end of every chapter, our workbook pages, so to speak, that give you the way to have a conversation Ooh. that kind of um, de-escalates some of that urgency and pressure. Again, it's, can we take that right. breath? And, you know, and I got I, news for you, uh, Kelly, uh, that one day, Kelly, oh. uh, Kelly yeah. the... we're talking to Kelly. Kelly okay, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> one day, your loved one may need 24-7 care, and you cannot provide it because that will kill you. You know, 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do from the stress, and it's because they need 24-7 care. They need to be uh, turned over every two hours or whatever it is so they don't get bed sores. When that happens, now you need to make one of the real important decisions, not, gee, I want to go out and get have coffee. No, that I can't keep doing this. I need sleep. I can't survive on two hours sleep. My loved one needs to be in a facility, and that is hard. Or my loved one needs to stop driving their car. I need to take the, the keys away. You've got to get in the habit with little decisions like this, or you will be one of those 30% 30, 30 who actually dies. And that's, um, it's just so unnecessary. Lauren, what is what is your tip for or how how to approach uh, when you can't really fulfill the needs that this person has anymore and needs to go into a facility? Well, the one of the first things and that they, that everybody needs to do is most likely talk with an estate planning elder care attorney on a financial level to know what needs to be done. Because if you're going to need, um, if you don't have a large estate, a bottomless right. well of money, which most of us don't, then it's talking to an attorney to deal with what that, those finances are so that when there's a five-year look back so that your loved one can have right. Medicaid coverage, Medicaid. Yeah. You, can, you have done that work. People right. don't like yeah. to do it because it sounds like, why am I only thinking about finances? But the reality is if we're not taking care of it now, you know, a financial planner said the best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> the yeah. next best time is today. Mm -hmm. So it's something that needs to be addressed. And yeah. so that we, whatever we lay out and can look at, can decrease our stress. The unknown, like we're all dealing with with the with COVID-19, with what will my loved one need? How long is this going to go on? Those are unknowns, and unknowns always create anxiety and added stress. 
So we want to put things in a position where we can, what can we control? If I am afraid to leave my mom or my loved one with a stranger, my brother who lives far away, my uncle who hasn't been close in years, those are fear-based messages. Right. Right. So I tell people all the time, ask yourself one question. And people who know me know this is my favorite question. What's your desired outcome? Mm. And a desired outcome has to fit two requirements. One, it has to be what you want, not what you don't want. And number two, it has to be something over which you yourself have control. So people Mm. often will tell you what they don't want. Well, I don't want my mom to go into a nursing home. Well, I don't want to have to ask my neighbor to go grocery shopping for me. That's what you don't want. What do you want? Well, I need milk and juice and eggs in the house. What are your options? So what do you have control over? We can't make Mm -hmm. people come and help. But if we, as you said before, Adrian, if we don't ask, we don't get. (laughs) Exactly. And people want to help. They don't know what to do because 99% of the time, every caregiver, everybody listening looks and acts like they have it all together. So people don't know to ask. Yeah, and they feel uncomfortable too. The other thing was when, when I was taking care of Steve, you know, people used to, if Steve was in the hospital or if he was having treatment that day or whatever, they would come up to me if they were visiting and say, how's Steve? No one ever asked how I was. <laughs> and I think that, that that's, that's a big part of why caregivers stay so, so centered on the person that they're taking care of rather yeah. than themselves. Because they get used to not being asked. That's the that's the neglect and the dismissal, and because you look like you have it all together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, you look you look like you're in control of it. Yeah, I can do this. Doing a great job. Keep it up. And 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 what I've always said is, you got to have the questions ready. If somebody says, "What do you need me to do? What can I do for you?" have something ready that they can do for A list, yeah. Well, and it was interesting because right before my husband went into rehab and the virus was really sort of taking over and my son was now in the hospital as well, and a neighbor called, you know, I called a neighbor and he said, well, can I do anything? And I said, you know what? I need Tylenol. I only use Advil. Mm-hmm. But I needed not Tylenol because they said only use Tylenol. <laughs> right. And not only did he bring me a bottle of Tylenol, but he brought me a bottle of Clorox wipes. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing everybody was saying. So yeah. is, it, is it hard to ask? Sure, because you wouldn't feel bad if somebody asked you no. to help. You would feel great. Oh, sure, I can bring you this. I can do this. When we are providing help, care, love, support, we are in control. 
when we are receiving or needing, we mm -hmm. feel out of control. And right. we don't like that feeling. No human does. We've been raised to be self-reliant, to be independent, to be capable. And that's how caregivers seem. They got it all together. And there's a reward in that. There's praise in that. Oh, say, yes. Oh, my God, you're amazing. <laughs> I do this all myself. Right. And then Pride. at some point, it's like, the praise doesn't even feel good anymore because you're done, you're, you're spent, you're yeah, burnt out. And so we have to create that balance. And yeah. that one of the things that I created and it's in the book, but I have a, a link for it. Anybody can get it is a step-by-step -step guide. It's kind of like a map, having a desired outcome, looking at some of your options, looking at the obstacles that get in the way so that we can work them through and figure out how we can break everything down into small pieces. You know, mm. how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about guilt and overwhelm, but we're going to take a short break, so we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nassani. The Caregiver's Caregiver has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back, Caregiver Dave Show, with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, and our wonderful guest, uh, Lauren Goff. And we're going to be talking about uh, guilt and overwhelm now. And what are the best ways for a caregiver to stop feeling guilty and not being like uh Lamont Sanford, who keeps hearing his father, Fred Sanford, say, oh, oh, it's the big one, Elizabeth, you know, like you're killing me. So the reality is we don't necessarily stop feeling guilty. We just <clears throat> can stop acting on it. It's not our feelings that get us into trouble. It's our actions. So you might feel guilty saying no to a request. Breathe. Let the feeling pass. It's okay. I tell people, take small steps. If your mom or loved one calls you 20 times a day, don't pick up every time. Let it go to voicemail. Even if you can only wait initially a minute before you call back, you're starting a step 
toward creating space. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel bad. Oh my God, what's happening? Breathe. The feeling may not go away right away, but just giving yourself that moment to pause lets you process, am I ready to speak to this person? Am I ready to hear what they have to say? It gives you a moment to go sit comfortably. And then you start to realize the world didn't come to an end. Right. Nothing mm. exploded. And if we can't take the little steps toward overcoming, acting on our guilt, we're not going to do the big things. We may have a, a wish to say, I'm going to go away for a weekend and it's okay. But if we can't do the little things like not answering every phone call or not running the minute they say, please come, saying, I, I can come on Thursday. I'll see you at noon on Thursday instead of dropping everything. Right. And running. Well, you know, ordering in pizza instead of a home-cooked <laughs> meal. It's like, take that breath. Okay? I hear what you need. I understand how important it is. And I can bring it to you on this day. Will you That's feel so guilty? so much better. It, well, ultimately, if you do feel, feel guilty, if you do feel guilty, it's undeserved guilt. Because there is such a thing as deserved guilt. I deserve this yeah. and undeserved guilt. Hey, I don't deserve this guilt. Why are they throwing it yeah, on me? They're doing it right. Well, yeah. it's the difference. But look, if we feel guilty, it means we have a conscience. That's right. a good thing. And it's like a traffic but, and, uh, cop, you know, saying, "Hey, are you speeding? No, I'm not speeding. Okay, go ahead." <laughs> but the first feeling people get when they're called out on something, like. You know, you get called to the principal's office. Nobody first thinks they're being called down to get praised for something. The first <laughs> reaction we have is, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? Even if you did nothing yeah. wrong, somebody may label what you're doing as wrong. Yeah. You may think, based on old beliefs, that what you did was wrong. But I tell people all the time, don't believe everything you think. Challenge it, question it, be skeptical about it. Because we're letting go of old beliefs so we can be healthier caregivers, so we can provide for ourselves and our loved ones without the guilt dictating our behavior. Good. Now, caregivers get angry a lot. Uh, and feel resentment <laughs> really because especially if they don't um, implement boundaries like you mentioned boundary if somebody is constantly upsetting you and you're getting angry about it guess what it's your fault because you probably didn't uh, put down a boundary a line not to be crossed and consequences if it is crossed and they don't know where the line is they don't even know if there is a line and so you need to implement the boundaries so that that anger can be, hey, remember we had this discussion yesterday that if you said that or you did that, that this would happen? Well, you can either be Mr. Nice Guy and say, I've given you one more chance. Here's your only freebie. If it happens again, this will occur. You know, Or you can just hammer, lay the hammer down right then and there. 
But uh, how do we get rid of anger? And is all anger bad? I mean, is it okay to just go in the bathroom and scream or or put your fist through a uh, a punching bag or something? Not not a wall. Not a wall. <laughs> not a wall. We, Some people do. <laughs> they do. But the, so here's the thing in my perspective on anger: that anger is energy. Anger is That's a way sure. of letting you know a boundary has been violated, something has happened that has history, somebody insults you, they, they're hurtful. Anger lets you know, as Julia Cameron says, anger is your friend. Not a good really? friend, not a kind friend, <laughs> but yes. it lets you know when you've been betrayed or when you've even right. betrayed yourself. So Angry at yourself, yes. So, yeah. Somebody says or does something and you need to go in the other room and scream, put your face in a pillow, pound on the bed. Absolutely. And then we when you know, it's like a, if you've ever seen a toddler have a tantrum and they're yelling, they're screaming, they're ranting, they're raving. And then there's this moment where they just go. Uh. And, you know, they're done. We can have the same experience. So we can let the energy out, go talk to a friend, go take a walk, pound the pavement, vent to a friend. When cooler heads prevail, then we can go through the steps of what's my desired outcome? Mm. What is it that I need to communicate? What just happened? What do I need going forward? And we can have that conversation in a productive, meaningful way. Screaming, yeah, our heads off at, screaming our heads off at somebody, yeah, it's a volcano erupting, but now we're going to have regret, we're going to feel guilty, we're going to feel there's too much mess to clean up, so we want yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, time's really going fast. We're running out of time, but I've got one more question before we find out how we get a hold of you, and that is um, caring for a family member is uh, it, it just brings a whole bunch of new and different challenges than caring for a stranger, for example, especially mothers. The mothers and daughters have this chemistry oh, going really? on. I don't, and I don't mean good <laughs> chemistry, you know. Or it could be a, a father and a son. It could be you know, uh, a child that you that wasn't your favorite child that you never you know had trouble liking. I love them, but I don't know if I like them. Uh, and now you're in a caregiving situation with these individuals. What special challenges and how should we deal with fam care, caring for a family member? So it's making sure that you are also caring for yourself. We can do anything if we're not just making it all about them. Boundaries are important. Setting limits are important. Being able to bring in help is important. Because if, you're, if you are doing everything for this person where there's been a challenging relationship, the anger and the resentment and the burnout will just happen that much faster. Mm -hmm. And if we're not loving ourselves, it's really hard to love and care for anybody else. 
the po- yeah. the the well will just be dry. So yeah. it's like the phone that is flashing at you two percent uh, because you weren't charging it. You know, uh, same thing. Some, the gas tank that's on empty. Sometimes the well, I know with my mother, she was a very difficult person, and I was I was told to treat her like a crazy person, and <laughs> just let her talk. Now, how'd that work out for you? It worked out. It worked <laughs> out. But um, you you can just let the other person vent and get all of their stuff out, and just just not take the bait. Don't answer. Well, that, Don't it, takes, it takes practice to not take other people's comments personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've I've recommended to people if they're if someone is really dumping on you, literally take a step back, take a step to the side, acknowledge this is their stuff flowing past you. It's not yours. Exactly. But that that takes practice, and the only mm-hmm. way we're going to practice something is if we're willing to make a change. And everybody listening, I would love to believe that everybody listening is listening because they want help, they want support, they want to learn new ways to be a caregiver that includes caring for themselves. I'm going on the premise that I know that's why people join my my group, my telephone support group. I know that's why people reach out. They're looking for something, but it doesn't matter how much insight, awareness, care we have. Are we willing to make a behavioral change? And that's what we're talking about. What Sometimes it's just a simple thing like, I'll let that call go to voicemail. Mm-hmm. I won't run for you today. I'll do it tomorrow when it's more convenient for me. Those can be simple things. They can have a huge impact. But the success is if you're doing something for you that doesn't neglect your loved one but allows a greater balance. Yeah, you know when you really must be there. Correct. And, yeah. and you know when it can be done tomorrow. Right. Yep. So how, how can someone find out, uh, you know, how they can pick your brain or get questions <laughs> answered or be on your telephone support group or whatever it is you have? And the book. Well, they, they and can... the book. The, the book is Take Back Your Life, A Caregiver's Guide to Finding Freedom in the Midst of Overwhelm. And it is available as an ebook um, on Amazon. You can write to me and I'll even personalize it and mail it out to you. Um, so there's that. There's also the step-by-step guide, which can be really helpful. And that's takebackyourlifeguide.com. And I do have a Facebook group. You can find it at Lauren Gelberg Goff. It's the self-care for caregivers. Um, you know, 
LaurenGelbergGoff.com has everything on my website. And but if you want, is there a dash between between no. uh, Gelberg and Anger on the website? No. No. It's is it just Gelberg or Gelberg? G E L B E R G. G. G O F F. Yep. It's LaurenGelbergGoff.com. But the if they want something immediate that you can do for yourself right now, TakeBackYourLifeGuide.com. You can download. Right. It's an audio. It's a transcript. And it's the guide itself that's really, it was the person who created it for me did a really nice job. So <laughs> great, great. It's very pretty. <laughs> and it really awesome. Was your telephone support group, how does that, how do you join that? Is that all on the information on the site? It is, and it because it's a therapeutic group, and I'm a Medicare provider, if you're mm -hmm. on Medicare, it gets covered. Wow. Um, if you have, so there, I made it as reasonable and financially feasible uh -huh. as possible. So there, I have, because I have been so committed to making sure people get the support they need. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Good. Um, I think they just have to I'll make it work. You know, we find a way to make it work. And if yeah. you want to get a hold of Adrian, it's Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org. And Adrian has a Facebook page, 165,000 strong, thecaregiverspace.org. <laughs> and I have That's a caregiver. Space. No dot org on Facebook. It's just the on caregiver On Facebook. Space. You're right. The caregiver space. It's Silly okay. me. And, and the caregiverdave.com. And the Facebook page is caregiver Dave. Oh, uh, no. The Facebook page is Dave the caregiver's caregiver. That's before, we, <laughs> that was before we shortened it. So maybe one day I will shorten it, but not today. <laughs> Anything else before we say goodbye? Thank you so much for having me. This has Thank been you. great. Thank it was you. a pleasure. It has been great. You're a very good guest. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye. I wanted to know if I could get your phone number. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, will give, I will give you my cell number, which is 201-803-1411. Thank you very That's much. Because I'll... my pleasure. I would, what is what is your number? Because nine one seven. Okay. Six five eight. Uh huh. Six nine nine one. I was looking for my well spouse information that I that I have on the desk right now. <laughs> because they were asking for money and and I was going to send some money. So absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a hard time. It is. It, it is. is. Uh how yeah. do you how do you keep balanced right now? You're you're dealing with grief and a son who's in, and yet you're so when I'm doing what what I do, it's compartmentalizing. And okay. I, 
And I did get good news today because he came through the surgery for That's the trade right. really well. He's improving. Look, two weeks ago, we weren't sure he was going to survive. So this uh, is huge. This so, is huge. So I'm in... Um, I'm in a good space now. You know, there's the expression that says you're only as happy as your least happy child and you're only <laughs> as good as your last phone call. So <laughs> I had a good phone call from the doctor. I'm good. 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 <laughs> well, I will be in touch, definitely. Oh, thank you. Yes, we'll get connected. I would love to talk to you further. Yes, very much. Okay. okay. Thanks Hope so much. Hope everything turns out just great with your son. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep breathing.